Lionel Productions. Praxis Pedagogy exists to position our teaching and learning practice within different methodologies. We want to construct a guild of educators dedicated to designing a difference in our own teaching and learning and in our students' experience. and welcome back to Praxis Pedagogy Podcast. This is episode 64, where I sit down with Greg Peel, who is a welder and program head at Durham College all the way out in Ontario. And we talk about his experiences getting into the trade, what does a welding trade look like in Ontario. We talk about his transition from being a part-time instructor to a full-time instructor and actually developing the welding program started way back in 2013 with just him. And now in 2021, he has a faculty of 19 welding instructors plus himself as a program head based on three basic but powerful mission statements. He wants to have excellence in his faculty, in his facility, and also in his curriculum. You're going to enjoy this one. Sit back, relax. We'll catch you on the other side. Two, one. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Praxis Pedagogy Podcast. So glad you took the time to be with us today. Today, I have the Greg Peel from Durham College. Greg, you are a welder out at Durham College, if I'm not mistaken. But I don't want to, I don't want to take any more time explaining to people who you are because I want you to do that for us. How about you tell us uh, who you are and what you do? Yeah, my name is Greg Peel. I'm Greg with two G's on the end, which is a little unusual. Um, I'm a, a Red Seal welder, and I am the coordinator and a professor at Durham College in Ontario. That's cool. So when when did you get into the trade, and, and what brought you into the trade? Well, my story is kind of interesting. I, I started back in 1986. I got a, um, a tool and die apprenticeship, um, and so I did that. I worked for GM, and I did my apprenticeship as a tool and die maker. I did that for about um, 13 years. And there was no need for tool and die making anymore. So they laid us off and then they offered us a welding apprenticeship. And um, I, I still remember the day my wife said, you don't want to be a welder, do you? And I, I said, well, I don't know, you know, so I looked into it more and um, over a course of events, I got selected. Um, they were only taking 12 positions and I got selected. I was one of, I was 35 on the list and I got picked to, to take the welding apprenticeship. We were actually the first group of um, ministry-approved apprentices for welders in Ontario at the time. So up to that time, um, Ontario didn't have a welding apprenticeship. Um, so anyway, did that. Absolutely loved it. And I just determined that I was just going to be the best welder I could be, and so I did that for um, ten years at GM, where I got laid off um, again because um, seniority-wise. And, and at that time, GM was just contracting everything out. And so I ended up teaching part-time at the college and being hired full-time, and here I am today. So That's very cool. That's very cool. So when, um, when, when you were looking at welding, you didn't, know about, you didn't know anything about welding before you started down that journey? <laughs> Not to the detail I know now. I knew, knew what it was. I knew the trade. Um, but I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't realize it was all... Uh, 
know, the, the different varieties of the pipe welding, the underwater welding, the structural welding, and all the, you know, certifications that are available, et cetera, um, to be a, a top quality welder. And you're saying up to the, up to when the, the late 1980s that the welding wasn't a red seal trade in, in the province. Yeah, it, it wasn't a red, that was the year 2000 when I did my apprenticeship. We were the first apprentices. So up till then it was just more of companies would offer an apprenticeship outside of the ministry to do, to do welding. And so, the, yeah, so that, at that point, um, when the red seal came into Ontario, um, it became a red seal trade, although it it still is not a compulsory trade in Ontario. Um, I think we're the only province that doesn't have that. So the, the joke is, in order to cut hair in Ontario, you have to have a red seal. But in order to weld, you don't. Yeah, <laughs> I knew. I know a few hairstylists, so I won't. I won't touch that one. <laughs> But uh, that that just seems amazing to me that you know the province of Ontario, huge history of manufacturing and and steel production and the whole thing, right? Like when you think about Canadian steel, like you think of like Hamilton, right? Right, and, right. right. And it's like I I can't believe that a tra- well I can because you tell me, but it's just so shocking that a trade so so needed as welding never went to a red seal until so late in the game. Yeah, I, I agree, you know, I, and I mean, it's it's something I know when I did my apprenticeship that I just decided I'm going to get my red seal regardless. And so a bunch of us went through and did that. But uh, yeah, it still shocks me. I still have to explain that to students, you know, because everybody, obviously, when they, they come through a pre-apprenticeship program, they want to try to understand, like, can I get an apprenticeship? Where are, where are their apprenticeships, et cetera? And that sort of information. So you have to yeah. explain it all to them. Yeah, no, no, no kidding. No kidding. So when you did your apprenticeship, uh, you did it through GM. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. GM was the company. And then of course the ministry was involved. Right. At the time as well. So. Right. So when you were working as a welder for GM, like what was your regular routine like? Um, yeah, it was, it was great. I worked with a lot of different journeymen. I worked, um, I was put with a fellow who taught me how to weld pipe. Um, stainless steel pipe and black pipe. And, and I just absolutely love that. I did that for a number of years um, with him and his crew. And then I um, worked for, with the millwrights too, the millwrights building structural steel and all sorts of equipment and installing it. And I just loved it all. It was just, you know, great people to work with, great work, just a lot of fun. Yeah, that's very cool. I remember way back when I started my apprenticeship, I, one of the second or third job I was at, I got hooked up with a, uh, a welder to do some stainless steel. We were doing process piping for, uh, for some, uh, research labs out at uh, the university of British Columbia. And, uh, that was my first exposure to pipe welding. <laughs> and here's your first dip in the pool with pipe welding to go right into stainless. Right. right yeah. And, uh, and we did everything from, uh, from one inch all the way up to four inch. And yeah, uh, yeah. it was, uh, it was quite the experience. I, I, I loved it, but, uh, wow, that's, uh, that's very cool. So have you, have you welded anything like crazy and have you done any of this underwater welding? No, I, we haven't done, I've never done any underwater welding. No, the, uh, I guess the, the hardest that I've done is a stainless steel pipe. 
And, you know, doing that earlier on in your career, it's kind of, um, you know, after that, everything else is kind of easy, right? And, <laughs> no kidding. You know, you, but you don't realize it at the time that you're thrown right into this and you're doing it, you're learning it right away. And, uh, you know, they, they had me welding anything from an inch in diameter right up to like 16 inches in diameter. It was all pressure stuff and it was just, you know, it was fun, right? But then you kind of get tired of it too because you're, you're just going round and round. And, you know, it's, it could be this big around, it could be that big around, right? So you kind of get to a point where I think I want to try something different for a while. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Rolling those 90s just kind of loses its luster after a few, after a few right. sticks, right? Exactly, right? <laughs> I think the best part, though, is just the people you work with and the people you get to know. Just some of them are real characters and some of them are just so much fun. And, yeah, the, the relationships you build are huge. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. That's awesome. So you're, you're in the welding field and, uh, you said you, you started move transitioning over to, uh, the college to teach. Uh, how did that come about for you? How did that emerge for you? Well, that's kind of a story too. It's, it's interesting because, you know, for the first 30 some years of my life, I was probably the shyest person you'd ever meet. I, I would never get up in front of people. Um, as a kid, I would never, you know, get up and go to the front with all the other kids. I would just hang back with my parents, right? I was shy, very shy. And, you know, so as our, our spouses or our partners often, um, you know, talk to us, they're, they're pretty good for us in a lot of ways. And they, you know, my wife told me, she said that, uh, you know, you really should seek out trying to be a better communicator. And so, you know, I thought I took that to heart. I thought, okay, yeah, I, I definitely could do that, be a better communicator. So I ended up taking this course. Um, it was called the Christopher Leadership Course. And I, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but the Catholic Church um, sponsors that. And there's also the Toastmasters, which are the very same thing. Um, so I was going to take the Toastmasters, but there wasn't any spots available. And the Christopher Leadership Course was, so I took it. It just changed my life learning how to stand up in front of people and, and talk for two minutes about a topic. And anybody who's ever done that understands, you know, they, they encourage you and they build you up and they coach you through it. And it completely changed me. And at that point in my life, I had never even considered um, becoming a teacher of any sort. It was just to be a better communicator. So later on that spring, um, Durham College was having a job fair. Um, for looking for part-time people. And I went over and I put my name in uh, with some other guys from work. And I kind of forgot about it. And that fall, the, the Thursday before classes started in September, um, I got a phone call saying, do you want to teach welding for three hours a week? <laughs> and, I, and I said, sure. Yeah, why not? Sure. So, um, and so that's kind of how my whole teaching profession started. That's very cool. Yeah, I've, I've been to a few Toastmasters, uh, situations and, um, it, it's, it can get, I, I felt uncomfortable the first couple of times when they start critiquing how you said, not just not, not the content, like the content was almost irrelevant, right. but it's like, you, you know, you, you need to say this more, you need to inflect more here. You need to use more pause here. And I tell you the first couple of times that that happens, I'm like, Hey, wait a minute. Like, who are you? <laughs> right. <laughs> was that uncomfortable for you too? Cause I can imagine like, I'm not a shy person. And so, you know, going through that was like, okay, this is, 
this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> That's funny. Wow. Good. So, okay. So you, you're teaching, uh, three hours a week. What was, what was that like for you at first? Like what, what was, was pretty nerve wracking, right? Had the sweats going on, you know, um, up in front of these, you know, 20 or 40 students and, uh, never have done that before. But, you know, I just found at the college, it's just, everybody's so encouraging doing everything they can to help you um, be successful. And, you know, if you completely blow it, nobody's going to come down on you. They're going to say, okay, we'll try again next week, you know? And, and it was all about improving week to week. And I remember people telling me like, you know, just take your time when you're done to reflect on what you did right and what went right, what went well, what didn't go well, and then improve it. And so that was a real kind of encouragement to me. I'm starting out to kind of have that practice of reflection. Yeah, for sure. So were you part of a welding department? Were there other welding instructors that, that you could talk to and, and bounce ideas off of? Um, there were a few. There, now, the welding department at the college at that point was starting to kind of, you know, for lack of a better word, die because um, the, the people that had been there for years um, were on the verge of retiring or they were on long-term disability or something like that. And so they didn't really have a welding program per se. They had, um, as you know, um, welding to supplement a lot of the other trades like millwrights and plumbers, and, um, automotive, et cetera. They had those, but they didn't have a welding program on its own. So I, there was a few, but there, you know, I found a couple of people in administration were just really helpful. I, they were kind of my go-to people. Um, any questions I had, they were always willing to help and answer and direct me. That way, so is there a welding good. department now? There is, yeah. So now we have our own, uh, we have a signature program at the college, a welding program. We've got, I'm the coordinator of the program, welding programs, and we've got 19 faculty full and part-time. Um, wow. So we've really grown. It's really blossomed and grown okay. in the last 10 years. Well, congratulations. That's a, that's a huge uh, growth curve. Well, thanks. Yeah. It's just, we've really been blessed, you know, we've, um, so, you know, my story, I taught part-time for a couple of years and I got hired full-time in 2011 to, to build a welding program. Um, and I was the only, the only instructor at that time. So come from just me to 19 now. So that's kind of feels good, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, no, in less than, what was it? You said 2013. So in less than 10 years, you've gone from one person to a faculty of 19 plus yourself as the program head. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. And to, and to th consider then that 13 years before that, the red seal had just come into the, into the province. So you seem to have lined quite well with all this, uh, th these steps that are coming out in the province. So in the last 20 years, you've seen welding go from, just a, just a, a sea of Q kind of thing where companies and private um, welders around to now you have a full fledged red seal program. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's really been fun, Ryan. Like, you know, we, you know, I started out when I was given the task, like I didn't know anything about building a program, yeah. <laughs> I'm, you know, like, okay, I'll do it, but how do I do it? Right. And, and again, the, the college was excellent in providing support of every kind, like, you know, just 
building curriculum and curriculum development and you know the all the details of mapping it and you know just every every answer you needed they they had somebody who was an expert to help which was so important right and so i remember i was hired in may of that year and they wanted me to build a one-year welding program, post-secondary program for start in September. So I spent four months in my office by myself, nobody else on campus. And I had the whole place to myself pretty much and just, you know, building this program. Yeah, that's, so. that's crazy. So yeah, we're hiring me. We want this thing to happen in September and uh, yeah, ready, set, go. <laughs> right. right. And so a few things that I, I kind of came up with, I, I thought, I, I don't know if I was reading leadership books or what I was reading, but I remember um, something um, made me decide to kind of build a, have a sort of a mission statement or a guiding statement to help me. And it was just, just basically excellent in faculty in curriculum and in facilities. And I just thought if, if I can, um, constantly trying to improve those three things, the program should be okay. Yeah. So name those three again, faculty, curriculum, and facility. Yeah. And just trying, trying to, trying to constantly be excellent in those three. Um, and it's really been good because we've, we've got some like outstanding faculty. We've got a good mix. We've got younger guys. We've got older guys. We've got guys my age. I don't consider myself older yet. Um, we've got diversity, we've got some females, we've got, and it's just, it's just very broad, right? What we have in our, for, for uh, faculty and a lot of them are red seal. Some are working toward the red seal because in our signature programs, our, our post-secondary and our, and our apprenticeship, of course, we require the faculty have the red seal um, to teach. Right. So for those who are uninitiated in the welding apprenticeship, uh, can you kind of lay out um, an outline as to what that apprenticeship looks like? Like how long is it? What kind of ticket you're, you're driving towards outside of your red seal? Cause I know that there's three levels of tickets and can you kind of give us some information on that? Yeah. So the, the welding apprenticeship is a three year apprenticeship and so, you know, you go through the three years, it's 6,000 hours. And um, as you, um, so you're, you're going to learn all the processes. There's four main processes, but there's some other processes as well that are more specialty, like submerged arc and plasma cutting, et cetera. But you're going to learn everything you need to learn practically and theoretically as well. So you're going to do that over the three years. Once you've done that, then you're going to, um, write your certificate of qualification. And then once you've passed that, you can apply to write and do your red seal. The red seal includes a, a test, a written test, multiple choice, and also about a five to six hour practical exam in order to pass and attain your red seal. So, so they, they changed that over the years. They did that about 2017. They, they did the uh, five to six hour um, national practical assessment. And so that falls in line with everybody across Canada now doing that. But, you know, along the way, um, there's several certifications you can get, which is basically a standard of practical welding. And the Canada Welding Bureau governs that. 
And so every process has um, four welding positions you can be certified in. And the four welding positions are flat, horizontal, vertical, and overhead. And so you can, you have to work through one at a time. So you have to pass flat first to get to vertical, vertical to get, oh, uh, sorry, horizontal, horizontal to get to vertical, and vertical to get to overhead. And so a lot of, um, a lot of apprentices, a lot of welders work to um, attain those. And you don't have to have um, any real experience in, in um, trying to get those. You just have to be able to be able to do them. Right? It's kind of a waste if you can't weld to try them. But uh, we have a lot of post-secondary students who um, work to get them during their two-year post-secondary program. And they can actually get an all-position ticket by the time they graduate from the two-year program. Okay. Wow. That's, that's a lot. And a five to six hour practical at the end. So I imagine that they're doing, are they doing those four steps or are they doing any pressure welding? Like what are they doing? No, it's pretty much all structural steel. Okay. Um, with the, with a five, six hour practical exam, they do all sorts of groove welds, open root welds, or some cutting involved, mm-hmm. um, different bevels, different joints. Um, it's, it's quite a variety. It's, it's, it's pretty intense. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, no kidding. And there's quite a number of skills involved in all of those things. And I'm not a welder by any stretch of the imagination, but I appreciate all those different things because I've had to watch welders do it. Right. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Right. There is. Yeah. Yeah. Really. So, um, talk to me about the tickets because I, I, I've heard that there's like, uh, C tickets and B tickets and, and is, is there an A ticket after that? Or tell us a little bit more about that. Honestly, the, the B tickets, um, that's more of a Western thing. And I'm not that familiar with them, to be honest, because we don't, we don't really do that in Ontario much. Um, in Ontario, it's more about the CWB certifications. Um, the, the TSSA kind of governs any sort of pressure ticket. Um, so any sort of welding we do that's pressure, or sorry, um, pressure pipe or, or pressure vessels are all governed by the TSSA. And so they have procedures, et cetera, for that. And yeah, I'm not, I can't say I'm overly familiar with the B tickets and, um, you know, that's really a a West sort of thing. I I often hear people talking about it, but I've never really researched into it what it is. (laughs) It's kind of one of those weird things we do on the West coast, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it's the same thing. It's just, you peel back that top layer and it's like, yeah, it's the same thing we do. You just call it a different name. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. So you're building, uh, this program from scratch. You you, you don't know what you're doing, but you got lots of support. Um, (laughs) you've come up with a, a mission to have excellence in faculty, excellence in facility and excellence in curriculum. And I, and I got to commend you on that because those, those seem like a no brainer, but they're, <laughs> it's not easy to just drive for excellence in, in one of those, let alone all three. Um, so tell us a little bit about the process of, of, of embedding that into your program as you're building it along. Yeah, I think it's just a matter of, I, th- I think it's a, a continuous thing. It's one of those things like as a tradesperson, you know, you, you're always looking to be better, right? And, you know, I know that every tradesperson talks about 
you know, you, we never arrive. It's lifelong learning. We're always learning things. And I think it's the same with, with this is, you know, we're never, we're never where we want to be, but we're always trying to get there. Right. And so I think it's just having that mindset that, you know, every year, which there's a natural end of the year when we're teaching. So it's, it's kind of a time of reflection. So what can we do to improve the curriculum this year? And how can we as faculty be better? What can we do PD? Can we do something else that makes us better next year? What can we replace in the, in the shops? What do we need in the shops to make it better? And so that's kind of the mindset. And anybody we've brought in, um, I've been a part of that as to bring in new faculty. And anybody we've brought in, I've, I've tried to share this with them so that everybody's kind of hopefully, you know, thinking in the same direction. And so we're all collectively coming up with ideas of how to improve continuously. That's cool. So do you have a, do you set time aside officially to go through those questions with your, with your department? Yeah, more in a general sense. Yeah, we, we usually have a program meeting in the spring um, once our, our programs are, are complete and we'll talk about this and some people are into it. Some people, you know, sometimes throughout the year, people will come up with, we should do this or we should do that. And some people, honestly, they don't, they're not interested. <laughs> they just, you know, go about their day and that's it. Right. And, and so, um, trying to get people engaged as much as we can, but, you know, we're, this year we're doing a lot of improvements and uh, a lot of changes. So it's good. Yeah. yeah. And for those who don't know, like welding is a very hands-on, very skill-based practical trade. Uh, there's lots of theory in there. Don't get me wrong. I, I understand that too. But when COVID hits like a year ago, how, how does that affect what you were doing in your shops? Yeah. Like we, for a while there, we couldn't have shops. So um, it was huge. Right. And so we would carry on with the theory portion and try to clean all that up until things opened up enough that we could actually get back in the shops. Cause you know, there's just, there's no way you can, can learn without actually doing it. Um, I mean, there is virtual welding and that sort of thing, but it's just not the same. Oh, I see. You need to smell those fumes and feel those sparks. Right. Well, there's, there's just so much feedback that you're going to get from the wand or your stick, right. That you just not yeah. going to, you know, you can't simulate on a, on a VR machine. Right. Right. Exactly. And so we ended up, you know, um, we had to do a lot of catch up. Um, and we did that. And then the fall we opened up where we could have, you know, 20 people in the shop again, which is our typical class size. So that worked well. Then we had a lockdown from Christmas till about, I guess it was the middle of February. And so that we only, we did cohorts where we had 10 people in the shop at a time, 10 students. We had, we had, so basically we could do three weeks and six weeks. And then now we're back to 20 again. So we're, we're only about three weeks behind at this point. So yeah, it's been, it's been a real challenge, but we're working through it. Yeah. Logistical nightmare. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. Wow. Good. So um, when you talk about, having the right mindset to approach this continuous growth and improvement. Um, what have you learned over the last six months? Well, I, I think the two things I've learned, like I got kind of thrown into the online teaching and, 
I actually really like it. Um, at that trade summit we did in the fall, there I, I learned a lot just about. I think one of the things that I came to the conclusion of there that asynchronous teaching isn't bad. <laughs> you know, there seems to be a kind of a consensus that it's not the way we really want to go. We want to do the synchronous, right? But I, I can really see the asynchronous being really beneficial, and and it's a learning. It's a whole learning on its own, right, for the student. But, you know, aside from that, I think the two things I really learned when I was doing my first classes were communication, for one, with the students, just really working hard at communicating with them and making sure they understood everything. And the second one was I, I learned a little later on was just to create a really safe environment for them so that they don't, you know, they don't feel vulnerable. And I think by making myself vulnerable, I've, I created that. And because a lot of them really open up and, and kind of they turn on their camera more and they're more engaged, I found when I started doing that. Um, you know, so my format to start with was, you know, it was a two-hour class, so I would teach for two hours. And then I, I would see some of them on camera, they'd be like falling asleep. And I thought, okay, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't going well. That's right. And so I, I changed the format up where I teach about, for about 15, 20 minutes every hour. And then the rest of the time, I work through them with some questions or activities. But I found during that time, I would get telling stories and about myself, about my experiences. And it really seemed to help them open up as well and feel more comfortable. And so I kind of learned that from, from teaching online. That's very cool. Very cool. Um, so what are you looking forward to in the next 12 months? Well, I'm looking forward to getting back in the classroom. I, I like being in the classroom and walking around and talking to the students and, you know, just, you know, just being face to face with people is, I think it's a lot healthier for everybody. Um, I, I just really enjoy that part of it, you know, getting to know them and, you know, building that relationship with them. Yeah. Do you get to track with them throughout their, their program? Yeah. I, I, I'm often visiting them in the shop when I can, I just come by to see how they're doing or um, see what they're up to. Um, and yeah, so I, I, I'll keep in touch with them online once in a while. I, I'll put out my cell number if they want to contact me or whatever. And I just tell them as long as you don't abuse it, you'll be okay. And, um, you know, it, it seems to, seems to be good. There seems to be a connection there. Good. That's cool. That's cool. So what, what has been absolutely confirmed for you lately, Greg? Um, I think, I think the one thing is, is that, you know, virtual or sorry, being virtual teaching isn't that bad. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's just that we need to learn to do it better or I need to learn to do it better. Um, I think it's a good thing. Um, but I just feel like, you know, I feel that we we can kind of manage ourselves through any sort of thing, any sort of situation like this. But of course, you know, being face to face is is way better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, I agree. Well, Greg, it's been a total pleasure to have you on the show, and um, thank you for taking the time to be here. And uh, I know I've learned a few things, which is always a good thing. And uh, we're, as we wrap up, I have 
five fab questions that I always ask my guests at the end. And uh, are you ready? I think so. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, Greg, uh, what's your favorite food? Burgers. 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 Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good deal. What's your favorite topping on a burger? Because I've, I've had uh, burgers as an answer a couple times. Well, you know, the caramelized onions, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, caramelized onions, bit of ketchup, a nice fresh tomato slice. Nice. Lettuce. I'm good to go. Good to go. <laughs> uh, favorite movie or TV show? Oh, the, the Bourne movies. I, oh, I just Bourne? Oh, I, 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 I've been watching them. I don't know how many times I never get tired of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, what kind of music you listen to? Oh, a whole variety, really. I, you know. I just love the classic seventies rock, sixties rock. I love that sort of oh, thing. Okay. You like a Led Zeppelin guy? Some of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just some of that stuff. I, I think I really enjoy because they, a lot of those albums tell a story, right? Whereas nowadays it's just one song and you download it and you listen to it and that's it. So. <laughs> that's right. You're not buying a whole thing of vinyl and got to listen to it all the way to the end, right? Because you don't want to lift that needle up and scratch anything. See, that's right. you got to get through the, the couple middle boring songs to get to the real good song at the end on that one. Exactly. Track. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. What's your favorite go-to tech right now? Oh boy. I'm still trying to figure out. <laughs> you know, I, um, I'm trying to set up my office here with different monitors. So I've got, you know, I could have everything kind of open at the same time instead of trying to flip through. So I think I'm just having the technology so it's easy to do virtual teaching. And I don't, I don't really have one specific tech. I mean, I, I think all of these, um, all these virtual rooms work pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. What are you using for, for your online teaching? What, what platform? Um, I'm just using a desire to learn the virtual classroom, Bongo. Yep. Yep. Um, I might venture out if we're doing this next year into something like Google Meet or. Oh, yeah. Is it maybe Zoom like this. I'm not sure. Very cool. Yeah. We use uh, Google Meet in my night school classes. Sorry, not Google Meet. We use D2L, um, Bongo. I've thought about using Google Meet, but um, yeah. That's cool. Maybe I'll wait for you to do it and then I'll <laughs> touch base with you and see how it went. Good. So last question is uh, what's been the most influential moment or who's the most influential person in your life over this last year? Oh, well, I've got to, I got to talk about my two grandsons. Um, my one grandson, he's going to be three in July and he just, just a, a blessing and a delight. I, I have two, two daughters I've been surrounded by girls, you know, um, in my family, my extended family, it's all been girls. And now we've, I've got two grandsons. It's just, I'm in heaven. My, um, so my one oldest grandson is going to be three in July, but the delight was the second grandson being born last September. And, uh, so I've got two boys to do all sorts of good things with as we, as I get older. That's awesome. That's awesome. I have three girls myself. So okay. you know, I know what you mean by being surrounded by, <laughs> by girls in your house. It's good. Thing uh, I have a boy too. So um, okay, good. they're almost, they're almost all out now. So it's, uh, it's cool. Yeah, I can relate. Good deal. Well, thanks again, Greg. This has been a pleasure and an honor to have you on the show. And uh, thanks for taking the time. Thank you, Tim, very much. I really appreciate this. 